This episode brought to you by Manscaped. Use code REVISITED for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. See that statement, we're just in time. We have stumbled into a major crime. They got the girl off right. Now that's not nice. I think she is the subject of a sacrifice. Buddy, we're putting this party on ice. But don't you know we really ought to read them their rights? Read them their rights. Read them their rights. Well, I'm here tonight to rap about your rights. Because right now you're in trouble. Don't have to say nothing at all. Y'all got two calls and you better make them on the table. woke up this morning thinking that you were going to hear Tom Hanks rap, you're a psychic. But if you're not, you're just a normal, everyday, average listener of 80s Revisited, which is hosted by me, Trey Harris, and the pep streetback to my Joe Friday, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And that's right. Hanksgiving continues on this week of weeks, the culmination of all things Hanks, as this month comes to an almost close. One more episode, which we're going to try to get out right before Thanksgiving. Or Thanksgiving, as we should say. So you'll have it to listen to for Black Friday driving around. If you're doing it physically or if you're doing it online, you can still listen to it from the comfort of your own home. But anyway, Dragnet. Now, I got to say, this movie was crazy. <laughs> First <laughs> off, just absolutely. Now, I've seen this once before a long time ago, but very just vague. I just remembered him dressing up like punks. Well, it was Dan Aykroyd last episode. I thought it was Tom. It was actually Aykroyd. Tom was doing his best Freddie Mercury for the most part in that scene. Yeah, Dragnet, you know, based on the TV show, which was a radio show before it was a TV show, a long history of this franchise. But let's get the who, what, when, where out of the way first, because Dragnet released June 26th, 1987. IMDb gives it a six. Rotten Tomatoes, 50% critics, 41% audience. I think that's a little low, but not too far off. You know, they're both about half, roughly. Budget was an estimated $20 million Opened at with $10.5 million, which was good enough to be number one for the week, beating out the other comedy that opened on the same weekend. Mel Brooks's Spaceballs settled for mm. number two. Uh, Witches of Eastwick was number three in its third week. Beverly Hills Cop 2 was number four in its sixth week. And rounding out the top five was Predator at number uh, in its third week at number five. Dragnet would go on to domestically gross 57.3 million dollars and we have a worldwide for this one 66.6666 in the terms of the worldwide gross which is very apropos based on the uh villain of this movie it was directed by tom mankiewicz uh he pretty much didn't do much he did one tales from the crypt episode and delirious with john candy uh, it was written by dan Aykroyd. of course as far as writing goes blues brothers ghostbusters one and two nothing but trouble which he also directed Alan Zwiebel, who's an SNL uh, writer. He also wrote North, which was based on a book. That's that movie with uh, Elijah Wood from the 90s. And the director, Tom Mankiewicz, also contributed to the writing. He also wrote, though, he's written, he, he's a, more of a writer than a director, but he wrote Diamonds Are Forever, the Bond film, and Superman 1 and 2, although he was uncredited on that. So I'm not sure how that works in that regard, but it's on IMDb, so I'll take it as fact. Cinematography by Matthew F. Leonetti. Veteran of the podcast, because he did was a cinematographer for Poltergeist, Weird Science, Commando, and Action Jackson. And of course, 
Wouldn't be Thanksgiving if the movie didn't star the man of the month, Tom Hanks himself as Pep Strebick. Of course, big Toy Story, Castaway, Sleepless in Seattle, The Burbs, wink, wink. And Dan Aykroyd, of course, as, of course, of course. <laughs> oh, geez. Let me slow down. And Dan Aykroyd has Joe Friday. <laughs> of course, Ghostbusters, My Stepmother is an Alien, Blues Brothers, Trading Places. Harry Morgan as uh, Bill Gannon or Captain Gannon. He was in uh, the TV show Dragnet with Jack Webb back in the day. Also, MASH, High Noon. And he passed away in 20, uh, two, uh, 2011. Alexandra Paul was Connie. She's a veteran of the podcast because she was in Christine. She was also in Spy Hard. And she had stints on Baywatch and Melrose Place. Jack O'Halloran was Emil. Uh, Superman 1 and 2. He's non, the big guy that's just like, ah! Doing that the whole time. The big, you mm-hmm. know, the one that's not Terrence Stamp or uh, the girl. I can see her face. I can't think of her real name. I'm sorry, lady from Superman 2. I recognize <laughs> her face. I just can't. I can see her name, but I can't think of it. It's one of those situations. But anyway, yeah, he's non from Superman. That's what he's best known for. Uh, he was also in the Flintstones movie with John Goodman and Rick Moranis and Kyle MacLachlan, and also King Kong, the 76 version. Elizabeth Ashley was the commissioner. She was in, most recently, the Netflix show Russian Doll, which is pretty good, uh, with uh, Natasha Lyonne. Uh, Ocean's 8 and Vampire's Kiss with one of the greatest actors, if not the greatest actor of all time, the one true god, as is labeled on Reddit, Nicolas Cage. Uh, Kathleen Freeman is Enid. If you don't know who she is, if you don't, know the, if you don't recognize the name, you absolutely know who Kathleen Freeman is. Uh, she was the uh, Mother Superior in the Blues Brothers. Uh, she was in Inner Space, Joe Dirt. 301 credits on IMDb. Believe me, when you, if you see her face, you're like, oh, that lady. She's, mm-hmm. she's one of those people like Harry, Dan, Harry Dean Stanton and actors like that to where you know them, might not know their name. There she is right there. Uh, as Jesse oh, yeah. spoke with IMDb pictures. <laughs> but uh, believe me, this, uh, prom- I promise you, you know this lady. And unfortunately, she passed away way back in 2001, which is why I haven't seen her in anything in 20 years. Rounding out the cast, uh, and uh, on the villain side of everything, we got the great Dabney Coleman as Jerry Cesar, or Cesar. Nine to Five, Cloak and Dagger, Tootsie, War Games, You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks in the uh, late 90s there, I believe it was late 90s, early 2000s, whenever that movie came out. And the late, always great, Christopher Plummer as Reverend Worley. Colonel Von Trapp and The Sound of Music is probably his biggest movie. He was recently in Knives Out. I think one of his best roles and best performances was in a film called Remember, which came out a while back. I believe it still should be on Netflix. Uh, That was one our good friend Ben recommended to us from Tasmania. Fantastic movie. Amazing film. Highly recommend Remember with uh, Christopher Plummer. 217 credits. And he just passed away last year in February. Uh, after a long, long career in the film industry with iconic roles. And I'll be honest with you, his character in this movie is one of, I th- is honestly one of his best. <laughs> Him as a villain and his, like, just his demeanor and his character choices in this. Christopher Plummer steals this movie for me. He's so villainous. He's so great. <laughs> I don't know. I wanted more of him in this film. Of course, this is a TV show. This is a movie based on a TV show. And. Honestly, it, it was probably one of the earliest ones that I could think of. Uh, I meant to look that up before the podcast to see what was the first or what were some ones that came before it. But uh, off the top of my head, I really can't think of any because you got into, you know, after this, you know, or late 80s, early into the 90s. That's when we got the Flintstones. We got the Beverly Hillbillies, the Adams Family, Bewitched, you know, most, you know, I'm not sure this kind of kicked that off or not, but it was definitely one of the early ones, uh, at least again, that I could think of as far as years go. Uh, Jesse's yeah. doing the research right now. 
live. Uh, but, but yeah, like I said, I haven't seen this movie in a long, long time, but I got to say much like, uh, I, th- I think this is better than splash last week's episode, John Candy, notwithstanding, cause he's great in that movie, but in this movie you got Dabney Coleman and Christopher Plummer chewing the scenery as the villains. Tom Hanks is a badass in this movie. And that's usually not something that you say, except that maybe saving private, you know, in reference to Tom Hanks, except from, for maybe saving private Ryan or uh, road to perdition maybe, but he, his character, like it's, it's so crazy because you know, he is in this movie. He is Tom Hanks. He's got that comedic manic uh, stereotypical Tom Hanks persona, but his character in this is a philanderer. He's a, that might be a little harsh, you know I mean? He's, he's a, you know, sex crazed. He's a, he carries a big gun. He's not shy of fighting. You know, he's getting his butt kicked. He's kicking butt. He's, he, he is really, it's a really unique Tom Hanks character. You know, you take his cop persona, like from Turner and Hooch, but make him even more badass because he's undercover and ends up teaming up with, you know, Joe Friday. And speaking of Joe Friday, Dan Aykroyd. Now, I love Dan Aykroyd. I, I truly do. But he has a very repetitious demeanor about him in his acting. You know, Dan Aykroyd is never going to win any acting awards. To be honest, I think he's a better writer than he is an actor. That's not that's not to take away, away anything from what he's done. I mean, he's Ray Stantz. He's, he's a Ghostbuster. He's one of the Blues Brothers. He's amazing in those movies. But in this movie, my only real complaint with this film is him because it's such... he try, He's being such a copy of Jack Webb from Dragnet that that kind of takes a little too much precedence from his performance at first until you have that typical, because uh, Joe Friday in the, in the TV show, he's like, you know, just facts, ma'am. Like I need, you know, I'm very by the book, et cetera, et cetera. And that's Dan Aykroyd's character to a T and, and Oh, an overdrive the first half of this movie. But of course, you know, the typical comedic trope or movie trope period to where you have like, you know, a, a super uptight character gets loose by the end of the movie. And, you know, and, and uh, like that. So and that of course happens in this, Tom Hanks, his character could easily fit in one of the Lethal Weapon movies mm-hmm. <laughs> from this movie. In fact, when he pulls up on his BMW motorcycle, you got that saxophone solo a couple of times in this film. So, and I don't know if that's meant to parody or you know reference Lethal Weapon, but it uh, <laughs> it definitely is at home in that kind of world. This movie it was totally it's it's absolutely fun to watch. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's PG thirteen for sure because it's the first thing uh, I was watching. Like, okay, let me check. This has to be. This cannot be PG like Splash was. This is. This is a. This was released in a post PG thirteen world after Temple of Doom and Gremlins and everything and the uproar and the creation of PG thirteen. And this is definitely a PG thirteen movie. But you know, Hanks and Aykroyd, they have good chemistry. Again, but, but the only thing that just kind of holds this movie back for me is just Aykroyd's Jack Webb impersonation goes on too long. Over the course of the film, but it work. It does work because it's paying homage to the source material, which is a necessity when you're doing a film like this. The supporting cast is great. The villains are great. You got two great protagonists, or one and a half great protagonists, and you got two really, really good, or three and a half, or three really good villains. Because, uh, spoiler alert, Elizabeth Ashley is kind of in hand with the bad guys. But it's just, it's, it's just fun. There's and there, the jokes land. The choices the actors make for their characters, again, aside from Aykroyd overdoing the Jack Webb stuff, is all on par. It all fits. Everybody kind of got the assignment that, hey, we're doing Dragnet, but we're going to do it funny. And it really does show. So this was another, uh, much like Splash, a revisit that was really, really enjoyable and definitely worth revisiting if you haven't seen this before or haven't seen it like I have. 
in probably over 20 years since it came out on VHS. Because mm-hmm. uh, as a kid, it didn't really stick with me. This is definitely more of an adult movie. It really is. This really, this really isn't for kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched it as a kid, but I, I didn't get a lot of the jokes. It was kind of lost on me. I, I much rather would have watched something like The Money Pit or something like that or Splash because of the fantastical nature and the slapstick comedy that you see in The Money Pit. But nevertheless, this movie's great. Like, I really, again, uh, the bottom line is uh, definitely worth watching. And especially, and it's, it's proof positive that Tom Hanks could have, if they would have made Bohemian Rhapsody in the 80s, Tom Hanks could have been Freddie Mercury. And you'll see, when you see the scene with him with the mustache, uh, you'll see what I mean. He absolutely could have been Freddie Mercury in the 80s. But Jesse, are you familiar with this film at all? Have you ever been fortunate enough to watch 1987's Dragnet? If I did watch it, I do not remember it. But um, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Only by name, though. Yeah. It looks I mean, very familiar, again, the, though, the, the culty stuff. And I must have seen it at some point. Yeah, I think it's one of those, like, everybody's probably caught part of it on TBS and or something like that, at least back in the day. Right. Uh, t- to me, the movie poster was always, like, the big thing. Uh, you know, VHS cover slash movie poster always stuck out with me because it's, oh, Dragnet, what's this? And by this time, in 87, we had Nick at Night back in the day where Nick at Night played shows from the 50s and 60s. I knew what Dragnet was because of Nick at Night. I was a Nickelodeon kid. I, when, when Nick at Night switched, when Nickelodeon switched over to Nick at Night, it was very. Uh, you know, some shows were great. Uh, I didn't mind watching that were on Nick at Night, but you know, that was kind of when my grandparents liked to watch Nickelodeon, mm. and I, you know, I watched along with them for some of it. You know, it's definitely an '80s movie from start to finish. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was made today, you know, a, a comparison like actually this was made today, and it was Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, you know, a modernization of a 80s police TV show. Right. Or, well, although that's what 21 Drump Street was, whereas this was an 80s modernization of a 60s TV show. So you, <laughs> you kind of get what I'm saying. Same yeah. kind of time frame difference there. You know, so if this was made today, it would be very much akin to what they do at 21 Jump Street, which as a kid, I saw a couple of episodes of 21 Jump Street. I was not of the age to where like I liked watching stuff like that. And because of Elvira, I'm a heterosexual male. So you know, Johnny Depp was not any kind of draw for me for 21 Jump Street. I'm being facetious. But anyway, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But anyway, <laughs> but the movie, the 21 Jump Street movies, I enjoy, I enjoy them. You know, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Jonah Hill. I think he's definitely, uh, you know, a one trick pony, so to speak. He's, I feel like he's the same person in every movie. And same thing with Channing Tatum, even though, uh, you know, because when he pops up in Hateful Eight, spoiler alert, I was like, oh, man, really? But he was <laughs> fine in that. Uh, he's really not. He's he's honestly not a bad actor, to be honest with you, Channing Tatum. He's not. He's not a great actor, but he's not bad. He was great in Lost City. He's when he when you put him in the right role, he's gonna kill that role. He's good at particular types of characters, obviously. Uh, so that's where he really works out, and that's where I get enjoyment out of him. But he worked for Twenty One Jump Street, both of them. The meta reference of having Depp and uh, the other guy show up in the movie was great for Twenty One Jump Street. But yeah, you know that's 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 a honestly that's really a perfect modern representation of what Dragnet kind of did back in the eighties. I think I enjoy, I did enjoy Dragnet a bit more mainly because of Tom Hanks, to be perfectly honest, because he does nothing but improve anything that he's in. Even mazes and monsters. I hate to say it. <laughs> <'cause> that's <laughs> so bad. Uh, oh, Stephen Williams. I didn't realize. Okay. I did, I did not know this, but Stephen Williams is one of the actors of 21 jump street. And he was uh Creighton Duke and Jason goes to hell. That's the only other thing I know him from <laughs> now. Well, I know him from Jason goes to hell. That's the big thing he was in. But now it's like, oh, shit, he was in 21 Jump Street. <laughs> so see, that shows you my familiarity with it is yeah. basically Johnny Depp and Holly Robinson. And that's it. So 
again, wasn't the show, you know, at that, at that age, I was watching cartoons for the most part. And if it was live action, it was, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse and that kind of stuff or Freddy's Nightmares more so than cop dramas. Still don't like cop movies, you know, unless they're, they're good. You know, it's not my genre de plume or anything like that. But, you know, some people love cop movies and gangster movies and all that. But unless they get a lot of praise or highly recommended, kind of low on my radar. A lot of interesting facts about this film, to be honest with you. But let's talk about Dragnet as a franchise, because it's definitely now it did have a uh, uh, and actually it's an appropriate time to talk about it during Hanks slash Thanksgiving, because one of the best Thanksgiving movies is a film called Dutch. I don't know if you've seen it, Jesse, with Ed O'Neill. Many, many times. Oh, good. Well, you're very familiar with it. And I forget the kid's name, but there was a reboot of Dragnet around, I think, 2007 on TV. And the Joe Friday was played by Ed O'Neill and the. Uh, his partner was played by Ethan Embry, who was the kid in Dutch. <laughs> so basically that show was a Dutch reunion. Oh. So uh, just to bring, to make Dragnet relevant, not just uh, today, but the <laughs> fact that it's Thanksgiving week and Thanksgiving on the podcast. That's so, true. Yeah, so yeah, Dragnet. Thanksgiving movie. Forgot about that. That's yeah. one of those uh, VHSs that we uh, had sitting around. And so it got watched yeah, a lot. Yeah. You backed it up. You had a backup copy. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. But, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, like Dutch and planes, trains and automobiles are, is the greatest Thanksgiving double feature. Cause strangely enough, they're both road movies mm-hmm. and they're both Thanksgiving movies. Yeah. So it's almost like you can imagine these two stories happening simultaneously in the world. <laughs> and they're all going to Chicago. Actually, I think they're both going to Chicago. I believe I remember correctly in Dutch. They're going to Chicago. They're going like from Tennessee. And then in planes, trains, and automobiles, he's trying to get to Chicago from somewhere else around there. I can't remember, I, I can't remember where, he's, where he's at. Maybe in LA or he's going back or something like that, or New York. He's in New York. In the, yeah, yeah, he's in New York in the beginning with the, where he races Kevin Bacon. So yeah, they're both actually on this, going from, you know, uh, east to west, trying to get to Chicago. So Yeah, they're definitely going to Chicago. Uh, and, I don't remember where they started. And uh, they're both John Hughes Georgia, movies. Georgia boarding school. Uh, okay, yeah, there we go. But yeah, still going. The yeah, John Hughes way. wrote Dutch, and I believe he wrote Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So, which is really yep. odd because it's basically the same premise in both of the movies. <laughs> so he, he had wrote he wrote two movies <laughs> about the exact same situation, basically about people trying to get over Thanksgiving, and he got and away they work. Now, you know, of course, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is I is I, I mean, I'm, my opinion is better than Dutch, but Dutch is an underrated. Hundred percent underrated uh, film for sure that most people don't know about, uh, or you know, oh wait, is that the one? Oh yeah, I saw that a long time ago. You should watch every Thanksgiving because it's great, along <laughs> with playing trains and automobiles. So there you go. I, I, we got your Thanksgiving uh, playlist all made up. Yeah. In fact, uh, here and if, if you, and if you want to add a third one in there, add son-in-law. Yes, son-in-law <laughs> with Pauly Shore. Now l- listen, boys and girls, all you youngins, all you Gen Y and Z people listening, there was a time. <laughs> In this world, where Polly Shore was a hot commodity, Polly who? Mm-hmm. He's the, the whistle, that, buddy. The guy that played the no. voice of po- <laughs> Pinocchio in that one uh, Pinocchio, no one saw. Really? Oh, I'm gonna have to play that for you later. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it, it's bad. But yeah, uh, oh, I'm, I would imagine so. Now, uh, speaking of Polly Shore, a quick, quick tangent, as we're prone to on the podcast, but um. Because again, it's relevant because Son in Law is a Thanksgiving movie. So you know, if you if you're looking for three movies to throw on for Thanksgiving, you got Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Dutch, and Son in Law. Uh, 
But you know, Pauly Shore was a VJ on MTV, and he was a, he was a stand up comedian. His his family he grew up in that environment, so he's a notable comedian. Uh, but in the '90s, he was super popular, like for a brief shining moment. He was big. Uh, he had like his own. You know, he was a VJ who got their own show, like the Pauly Shore show on MTV. Like he, that's how famous he got uh, in that environment. And of course, he had that supporting role in Encino Man. Mm. Uh, which also, you know, is a huge springboard for Brendan Fraser and Samwise Gamgee was in it. Uh, which is why in Son-in-Law, Brendan Fraser has a cameo as Link from Encino Man in Son-in-Law. Uh, cool little in-joke there. <laughs> but uh, the funny thing is we, we watched Son-in-Law the other night because it's Thanksgiving week. And uh, honestly, it's like, like Pauly Shore was pretty funny. He was kind of like a, a Gen X Ernest, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> Uh, just in terms of like, you know, big, you know, a lot of charisma, like a, he's a character. Mm. Polly Shore himself is a character at that point in time, for sure. And uh, in Son-in-Law, I mean, he's just being himself and it's fine for the hour and a half or hour and 40 minutes that Son-in-Law runs. <laughs> I would say it's impossible to out losing your sanity to do a Polly Shore double feature because it's in a quiet, you know, it's like small doses. Like I can watch son-in-law every year at Thanksgiving. It's fine. It's funny. Carla Gugino is gorgeous. Uh, Lane, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he was the, he was chief. He was uh Perry white in Lois and Clark lane. Uh, I see you going Smith. to lane, so, lane Smith. You know, if you, you recognize him, if you see him, he has that, he's that country draw. He's always like talking. Like, what are you doing? Clark, you and Lois got to get this, this story for me. You know, if you saw, him. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so strangely enough, everybody, Pauly Shore used to be hot shit. Legit. Like, he got like a multi-picture deal after Encino Man, which is why we got, uh, let's see, we had Son-in-Law uh, in the Army now with Andy Dick. <laughs> uh, let's see what, a Biodome with one of the Baldwin brothers. Right. Uh, there's another, there's one who's the one with, uh, what's her name from Wayne's World? Tia Carrere. Oh, what was that movie? Uh, let's look. Uh, back. jury duty. I think it was jury duty. Oh, right. Jury duty. Uh, how could I forget? So, uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> the classic. Yeah. I mean, how could I, uh, best picture nominee? No, nah, but, uh, you know, that's a, it, it's in seriously like watching it. It's like, okay. Like it's, it's so crazy because like watching son-in-law today and just thinking about it, like, I mean, there was a time I thought Polly Shore was cool. You know, everybody, everybody was going around saying, buddy. It was that was just one of those pop culture <laughs> things that was very very brief, yeah. and is now completely forgotten. Wow. Oh, Polly Shore still pops up. Like there was a documentary, like Polly Shore is not dead or something like that. You know, he's still out there. Like, and he's from what I can understand, he's generally kind of well liked by comedians, or like you know, he has like serious comedic cred, to my knowledge, in terms of the, the world of stand up. And my knowledge of that is very limited because all my favorite comedians, unfortunately, are dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I just, I just stopped liking comedians because if I like a comedian, they're going to die mm -hmm. uh, early. But um, yeah, anyway, back to Dragnet. <laughs> I, I mean, how do we get on that? <laughs> Sorry. It's valid, Go though. Ahead. You know how things like come up and they disappear and people forget about them. I mean, it still happens today. What was it like uh, yep, 2011 or 12? You know, everybody's saying, my wife. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, back again. And, well, <laughs> speaking of. Encino man, Brendan Fraser's back. You know, he had his uh four or something. Yeah, that was a long time. At? That was I don't I don't know. I thought it was sooner than that. 2006. Wow, okay. Yep. Damn. 
And people still know it. You, if you go around saying "buddy," oh, nobody yeah. knows what you're talking about now. But you say "my wife," you know, it's like anything on age. before the 2000s is kind of gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's old humor now. It's like you know, it's not quite well known. But the 2000s stuff is still and beyond is still kind of sticking around. <laughs> I guess it's the century. The century has something to do with it. I don't know what but, the uh, thing is right now, though. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What are people saying? What are the kids? What are the kids saying right now? <laughs> Wasn't it all like we we joke about the other day, for real, for real? You know? Yeah, I mean, there's catchphrases, but the, it's like not like someone is responsible for that. Like Polly Shore's responsible mm, yeah. for Hey Buddy, and uh, Gotcha, yeah, Tasha Baron Cohen responsible for My Wife. Mm-hmm. And be, you know, be back at the same t- time frame for Polly Shore, you know, be with some butthead. Huh, huh, uh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. Huh, huh, huh. I guess in everybody's fact, watching the same <laughs> thing and they're not doing that anymore. That's true. Or less so. Um, yeah. Or if, it, if it does, it's, everything's so short-lived now because everything, there's so much content to absorb and process. Right. The next big thing's you know, around I guess, the corner every week. Because like the first season of The Mandalorian, like, I, at least I saw it, people were like, this is the way. You know, everybody kept saying, like, that was kind of a catchphrase for like, Yoda a, a little bit. Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, you know, that was a big, yeah, Baby Yoda as a personality was a big thing. Yeah. So it's it just comes and goes with the next you know big movie, but I mean, or big thing you know big cultural shift I guess you know every I don't know I guess everything now just seems like in in culture just seems so tied to politics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and in in, ter- in, a, in a big sense, I mean, you know, Definitely now everybody's identity US. is yeah is so tied to political views right now, I guess, and like in in the memes that or the the sayings that come from that, I guess. Or we're, or we're oh, yeah. just so fractured as a society that it's just, you know, everybody has their own little pockets of uh, culture now. And that's where you're kind of living in your own circle, I guess. You know, it used to be so communal. Mm-hmm. Culture used to be communal. And now it seems very like, oh, I don't watch that because that's that's for them people over there, says somebody on my right. Whereas somebody on my left might be like, oh, I don't talk to people that don't follow the science <laughs> or something. Uh-oh. Woo-woo. Thinly veiled woke comment. Woo-woo. Anyway, anyway, moving on back to Dragnet, because that's what we're talking about. <laughs> now, before we got on the, the topic of Thanksgiving movies, uh, what I was taught was leading into kind of the history of Dragnet as a franchise. Uh, it started as a radio show in 1949 with Jack Webb. He pretty much is the creator. He's the Rod Serling of the Dragnet universe. Uh, it took its name from the police term Dragnet, which, in case you didn't know, a system of it means <clears throat> a Dragnet is a system of coordinated measures for apprehending criminals or suspects. Uh, it's perhaps the most famous and influential police procedural drama in media history. Uh, it gave the audience members a feel for the boredom and the drudgery, as well as the danger and heroism of police work. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> is that screenshot I'm looking at, right? It's like, it's, who are these people? <laughs> it's apparently from Hawaii. Fi- I'm still looking at Polly Shore stuff. So apparently from Hawaii five O and there's three perps here. One is uh, Polly Shore. Shore. The other one is Jaleel, it was him. Jaleel the one that White, looks like a weasel. Who played Earl? Wait, that is that's Jaleel White. Oh yeah. my god! And the other one is Chris Farley's him. brother, Kevin Farley. What the? What kind yeah. of meta joke is this? I have no idea. I don't know. That's just weird. <laughs> I recognize Kevin Farley from like the small thumbnail, but then I was like, oh, it's Jaleel White. Throw him in oh there. wow. Hmm. Weird. But uh, Dragnet earned. Yeah, very weird that it's those three people to be suspects on an episode of Y Five O. But Dragnet earned praise for improving the public of fi- opinion of police officers. 
Uh, actor and producer Jack Webb's goal for Dragnet was for the realism and unpretentious acting, uh, which is very true because if you've ever seen an episode of Dragnet, Jack Webb is very dry and monotone, so it's very unpretentious. Uh, he achieved both goals for sure, for sure, and Dragnet is still a key influence on pretty much any police drama in any form of media. Uh, I mean, it's like it's iconic. The opening theme. Dun, 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 dun. That I mean, that's been you know not so much today because like we were just talking about how culture you know things are forgotten in culture, but that's a very it's like you know nowadays it's a law and order thing. (laughs) You know that's kind of what everybody knows, but Mm -hmm. you know older Gen X and beyond and earlier would recognize the and it's still kind of a it's 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 still a stinger that's still used in in comedy whenever like cops show up or something. You know it's still a because it's because of Dragnet. But um, the early success of the radio program of Dragnet allowed it to move the TV in 1951. And Dragnet ran for 276 episodes. Jesse, how many seasons do you think 276 episodes equal in 1960s TV television? 60s they did a lot more episodes back then i think they did uh because it was mm-hmm. like their jobs and they didn't have anything else to do so they yeah. probably did like so 40 far, or 50 an episode so probably like four or five maybe six seasons not uh you price is right rules you'd be close it was eight seasons you did not go eight over seasons. showcase showdown winner <laughs> but yeah like nowadays if you had a, a show that ran for 276 276 episodes today that's a show that's been on for 30 years Oh, two nowadays. For some reason I had 176 in my head. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. 276 episodes of, unless you're running a show like, there are some that still do it like jobs, like um, those reality shows, like how is uh, Survivor on the season they're on, or how is um, mm-hmm. any of those reality shows? It's just because they keep cycling out like a, what, AGT? They just keep it going. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm like you're doing three seasons Absolutely. a year. <laughs> yeah, but like, well, Game of you know Game of Thrones and all that, like ten episode seasons, once every you know once a year, once every other year. Yeah, because so, that's like more of a grand thing. But like Hot Ones, for example, the Internet Hot Wing Show, they're on season like nineteen or twenty or something like that. And I'm like, I feel like that just started. Yeah, they must be like grouping them by like, ep- like I think it's, these ten episodes are a season or, or something like that. Perhaps I had to guess. Started in 2015, when, you know, when, so it's yeah, it's seven years old, and they uh, they have 19 seasons. Yeah, well, they must uh, you know they, they must do it like seasonal, like you know, like we have okay, we have five guests lined up to come in and shoot this block of episodes. So this is a season, and of course, you know, YouTube changes everything has changed everything. Two hundred eighty-one dynamic episodes. of shows. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Hmm. <laughs> Of eating hot wings, you know, that's, that's, that's it. That's a show. That's a show. Yep. Yep. And a pretty big one on YouTube. Yeah. A show I would never want to go on because I don't like eating ridiculously hot shit. I'd do it. Uh, (laughs) It'd be fun to do. Don't get me wrong. I was like, once I got to one that's too hot, I'm not going any further. Like, nope, we're done. We'll just keep talking. I'll go back into these other wings. Not even these ones that are making me cry. Well, you know, we know, but, uh, we know, we have a mutual friend, Josh, who does this a lot. So, yeah, he likes the hot, like, <laughs> yeah, like, nope, not me, not for me, dog. He's got the new season, but, uh, so we're gonna be doing that soon. Uh oh, it'll be good. Godspeed. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, eight seasons, 276 episodes, two TV movies. Jack Webb passed away in 1982 of an apparent heart attack. Uh, he is interred uh, in plot 1999 in Forest Lawn Cemetery in the Hollywood Hills uh, Cemetery of uh, Forest Lawn. There's two big Forest Lawn cemeteries in L.A. He was given a funeral with full L.A. police honors. And upon his death, Chief Daryl Gates announced that badge number 714, which was used by Joe Friday in Dragnet, would be forever retired. And the mayor at the time, Tom Bradley, ordered all flags lowered to half-staff in Webb's honor for a day. And Webb was buried with a replica LAPD badge bearing the rank of sergeant and the number 714. So that's cute. <laughs> they retire uh, the number like a sports star. Yeah. They hang, they well, hang his again, uniform like, in, the, in the department. <laughs> it's like <laughs> hanging up in the rafters, you know, in the, in the locker room. But I mean, it's, it is understandable because like, like, uh, like we were saying earlier, you know, it, like Dragnet really did help uh, the public perception of police, at least at that time, <laughs> where you could uh, yeah. use a Dragnet right about now, you know, with uh, how police are viewed in the media. Because some of them act like fucking fools. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, uh, the idea for doing a comedic version of the show, however, came when one of the producers was channel surfing and was flipping between uh, Saturday, Night, Saturday Night Live during commercials and stumbled onto an episode on Dragnet on the next channel and thought, hey, let's combine these two. Mm. And honestly, for, as far as I'm concerned, it worked. Uh, the classic uh, opening narration, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Uh, that's actually the reason they did that in the show and obviously reference it in the movie is because the original episodes on the radio and TV of Dragnet were actually based on official LAPD cases uh, after Jack Webb was given was able to gain the endorsement of the LAPD chief when Dragnet was conceived. So the stories in Dragnet on the, the, uh, the old one are absolutely true, mm. <laughs> literally. So when they, that opening the opening narration in, in, in the movie, this movie. It's just referential and meant to be silly. Uh, whereas in the TV show, it was legit like, hey, this is a true story. The names have literally been changed to protect the, the real people that did these crimes. <laughs> uh, the photograph of Captain Gannon's wife behind his desk is the same photograph that Colonel of Colonel Potter's wife in MASH, which is a reference to Harry Morgan's character in MASH. So apparently they're the same character. Uh, when Friday is waiting for Street back in the strip club, the song Just the Facts, which is sung by Patti LaBelle, is playing in the background. And immediately after the line, All I really want to know is just the facts, Friday nods to one of the strippers and greets her with ma'am. Thus, the timing is such you can hear the classic, famous phrase, Just the Facts, ma'am. <laughs> now, you know, uh, you know, use the force, Luke. Uh, you're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, beam me up, Scotty. Which is, was never said by Captain Kirk or anybody in Star Trek. Just the facts, ma'am, was never actually said by Jack Webb or Joe Friday. Hmm. And it's often contributed to the comedian Stan Freeberg from a song, a parody song that he did uh, where he said something a little closer to that. So the catchphrase for Dragnet, Just the Facts, ma'am, was never said. In fact, it's on the movie poster for the movie we're talking about today. Right at the bottom under the badge, it says Just the Facts. The first time in the Dragnet franchise that somebody said just the facts, ma'am, was in this movie. <laughs> so it wasn't until the, the movie, which is parroting the original, actually said the phrase that, the, that is that is credited and based on the original. Hmm. So it's, it's just like the beam me up Scotty thing. You know, it's it transcended into pop, pop culture and that became a phrase, a reference, but is completely incorrect because it was never said. 
Just the facts, ma'am. Never said by Jack Webb. So uh, there's your good. That's a good. Uh, uh, if you're ever at you know 60s, 50s television trivia at a bar, and somebody says this classic show had the had the famous line, "Just the facts, ma'am." After you say "dragnet," be sure to educate everybody that that was never actually said until the 1987 movie. Uh-huh. Which is crazy <laughs> when you think about it. Uh, when Friday first sits down at his desk, there's a pack of Chesterfield cigarettes, blatantly product placed on top of the newspaper. Uh, that's a reference because Chesterfield is a brand that sponsored the Dragnet radio series and Jack Webb in the original, and he did all the ads for him and on television when it, when it moved to television. Uh, so pretty much cigarettes were the biggest sponsor of the Dragnet show back in the day on radio. Uh, in real life, Dan Aykroyd is a huge fan of Jack Webb, uh, and as a tribute to him, he gives many of his characters the ability to spit out complex technical jargon the way Joe Friday recites laws and police procedures, which actually... What I said earlier makes now that makes perfect sense. That's a character trait that Aykroyd uses in a lot of his movies, which is fine. But again, like in this movie, it's just like police code seven four three two one dot eight seven nine four blah blah blah. Police shove blah, blah blah. You know, goes on for five minutes about it. Mm. It's it a little exasperating in this movie, but I can definitely see you know uh, like in Ghostbusters where he goes on about some of the technical stuff and that kind of stuff. Uh, and on the on the Joe Friday character himself, Aykroyd said. Uh, quote, I've had a fascination with Joe Friday since I was a kid. Next to Clouseau, uh, he's the most famous cop in the world. I've studied his speech inflections, his mannerisms, his walk. Uh, during filming, I'd listen to tapes of the old shows. I even started dreaming in character, which is kind of weird. If there was ever a mm. character I'd always wanted to play, it was this. I'm a huge fan of Jack Webb's, and I basically just love everything he did. Dragnet was something I'd always wanted to do, but I never thought the opportunity would come up because I didn't know who owned the rights to the idea. And when Universal called and said they were interested in doing it, I think I made the deal to write the script the next week. So uh, this was actually a passion project for Aykroyd. And again, his reverence to Jack Webb absolutely shows in the film. But it's also, I think, a little bit, as I said before several times, it is a little bit to the detriment of it, I think, because it's just so entrenched in that. Uh, Where everybody else, everything else is making it its own. But I guess I kind of honestly... I think that probably adds to the the charm of the film is that his character is a relic of the 60s, so to speak, whereas everybody else is, you know, 80s in terms of like, you know, mannerisms and the way they look at things and everything. So very kind of a Captain America kind of thing being frozen mm-hmm. and coming back in a sense. Uh, now I, thought, I noticed this immediately because it just comes up, you know, whenever you watch 80s movies, there's certain things you just recognize. And we'll talk about this again next week, because uh, when... Tom Hanks and as his character uh, sees Connie's civil uh, Connie's house in the movie, he jokes, "Hey, can the beaver come out and play?" Uh, in the movie The Burbs, that structure that he re- that they're in front of Connie's house in Dragnet is Tom Hanks's house in next week's episode The Burbs. Hmm. It was also later used as Susan Mayer's house in the television series Desperate Housewives. Uh, and then the the other house in where, where uh, I want to say it was uh, whose house was that? Was it? Uh, Dan Aykroyd's grandmother's house, maybe it was the the other house. Are in the movie? Uh, Tom Hanks says it's a Nightmare on Elm Street. That would make him Freddy Krueger. And the house was uh, not the one used in Nightmare on Elm Street, obviously, but it is the Munsters' house, which is also on the back lot at Universal, thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane. Uh, this film is the uh, fifth of seven films and television. Uh, fifth of seven film and television installments of Dragnet. Uh, and I thought this was hilarious too, Jesse. You might you'll enjoy this one. Uh, Ackroyd was actually a former reserve commander for the police department in Harahan, Louisiana, huh. just like Elvis and Shaq. 
uh, not for those specific departments, but you know, they're reserve police officers. Just outside of New Orleans, also for those cops. who don't know. Yeah, for all you all you outsiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, he carried the badge with him at all times, and he currently serves as a reserve deputy in the Hines County Sheriff's Department in Hines County, Mississippi. Uh, not sure why he decided to become a sheriff of Miss, or a cop in Mississippi as opposed to Louisiana, but hey, whatever. Uh, and, and funny enough, Dan Aykroyd and, have Tom, and Tom Hanks have Donna Dixon in common. Donna Dixon, uh, she's the dream woman from Wayne's World. That's what I always remember her from. <laughs> uh, but she's been married to Dan Aykroyd for a very long time. But she was Tom Hanks' love interest in Bosom Buddies. So, it was, you know, in a sense, they kind of knew each other in a way, I imagine. <laughs> I assume they probably met before as well. And uh, Dan Aykroyd originally wanted, for some reason, Jim Belushi, Jim Belushi, to play Pep in the film. And they also offered the role to Albert Brooks. But thankfully, again, like, it's, it, you know, it's, this is a story of Tom Hanks's early film career is that like they a lot of people pass on a role and they just get Tom. <laughs> you know, so a lot of it's, it's really like serious. Like Splash was the same way. There were tons of people. He was like the eighth choice for that. You know, but uh, you know, fate played him a good card, and he's a he's a terrific actor. So you know, uh, there's on top of that, uh, so things really worked out for him. Where he was getting these roles to constantly be in the public eye, and uh, you know, make some really great movies. And he was he was absolutely great in this. Uh, it's definitely a different Hanks character. If we were doing a top ten list of Tom Hanks's characters, this would be up near the top for me because his character in this movie, he's just great. And then again, go to YouTube. Watch the uh, music video of the song that plays during the credits of the film, which will we open this episode with. Uh, so yeah, you know it's kind of the story of his career. The first, you know, for the first half of it, for real. Uh, but score wise, I give this a seven point five. Uh, it's very enjoyable. I could even go higher with it to be, in terms of an enjoyment factor, but trying to keep it a little based uh, in terms of you know kind of how we how I tend to score things on the podcast. Want to keep it a little you know under control. Uh, Definitely, again, highly recommended if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a long time. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's worth it just for Hanks and Christopher Plummer and Dabney Coleman's characters. They are just fantastic in this, 100%. Really, really enjoyed watching this one. Uh, in the real world, this film, again, this film released June 26, 1987. On June 19th, Teddy Seymour is officially designated the first black man to sell sail around the world when he completes his solo sailing circumnavigation in Frederickstead, St. Croix of the United States Virgin Islands. So that's amazing. Uh, two days before this movie, uh, Lionel Messi, an Argentine footballer, and of course, when for us Americans, you, you understand that means soccer player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born, and again, where this is the United States, our friends in Qatar know all about uh, soccer right now with the World Cup going on and the controversy about that. But, uh, you know, in the U.S., soccer is not a big deal. Uh, personally, I don't know half, I don't know much of anything about soccer, but I, I do enjoy watching it when it's random, when I used to have cable and it was randomly on. I think it's a fun sport to watch, even though I don't know anything about it. But, uh, yeah, Messi is considered one of the greats in terms of soccer. And then, uh, unfortunately, again, the movie came out June 22nd on, I'm sorry, June 26th, 1987, four days before the great Fred Astaire passed away. He was born in 1899, didn't die till 1987 on June 22nd. And two days after Fred, Jackie Gleason also passed away uh, shortly after. So uh, back to the future this week. Uh, 
Jesse, I'll start it off. Uh, I finished House of the Dragon. Uh, it finished strong. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I know you haven't finished it yet. Right. Don't want to spoil anything, but it like at you know by the end of this season, okay, this is Game of Thrones again. We're but we're kind of where we needed to be. Uh, however, again, I think half the season was mediocre at best and really kind of boring. Uh, but you know, it's one of those. It's kind of like a Stephen King book, to where you have the you know it's it's seven hundred pages and three hundred pages are. You, f- you feel like they're just filler and they don't mean anything. But then by the end, it's like, ah, okay, I get it. Still boring, though. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Uh, but House of the Dragon, I enjoy, you know, as, as, as of the last episode, I was like, okay, it's okay. I'm, I'm excited for season two. Uh, and I did watch one. We did manage to fit another movie in, another new movie, I should say, that is not Thanksgiving or Tom Hanks related. And that was the recent horror film that's killing it at the box office with over 200 million. And that is Smile. Now, um, this year's been great for horror. If you're a horror fan like I am, we had Halloween, we had the new Hellraiser, we had some, you know, these classic franchises with new installments. Uh, what else? We had the new Scream earlier in the year. A lot of other stuff too. I can't think of it offhand. Uh, but it's been a great year. Uh, and Smile is a, it's, it's a big hit. It's an original concept. Uh, however, it's an hour and 50 something minutes long mm. and it's boring as fuck. Uh, that's my review for it. Uh, the jump scares are completely predictable. Uh, a lot of people like it on my on all the horror, horror uh, Facebook groups I'm in. A lot of people are praising it, which is hey, that that's great. Uh, you know, if it was an hour and a half, it, I probably would have liked it. Uh, oh, another horror movie worth mentioning is Barbarian. I don't know if I mentioned that on the podcast yet. I can't remember if I, I did. Think or you not. did. Uh, Barbarian. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm pretty sure I did. I uh, watch that one. Don't watch Smile if you can only watch one. But uh, smile, I think it's overrated. It's an hour, again, it's long, it's long, and just like okay, okay, she's gonna look at this person. They're gonna, she's gonna look away and look back, and they're gonna have this smile on their face, and that's exactly what happens for an hour and fifty minutes. Uh, I will say this: uh, the lead in it is Kevin Bacon and Kara Sidgwick, Kira, uh, Kyra, Kara, however, she, I think it's Kara. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, is it is Kira? it Kara? Kira, yeah. uh, Kira Sedgwick. Uh, it's their daughter, uh, Sosie, I think's her name. Or Susie, I'm not sure how they pronounce it. It's spelled kind of odd. I've never seen that name before. Uh, she's she's a very good actress. Uh, she's got her daddy's nose, though. <laughs> <laughs> not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, but I was like, this girl looks familiar. And I've not seen her in anything else, but I, I, she was familiar because she looks like her dad. Uh, and but she also acts like her dad in terms of my opinion. I mean, I think Kevin Bacon's a good actor. Uh, she's a fantastic actress. She's she's great in Smile, but the movie. Is you know cut twenty thirty minutes out of it, get it moving, and you got something better there. But as it is, I think it's overrated, completely cliche in terms of its scares. But you know that's what scares people these days is good old you know that it, 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 it's a, that's a history of horror. Is you know you you throw in some consistent jump scares in a movie, people are going to think it's the scariest damn thing they've ever seen. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last movie that made me jump. <laughs> I think the last thing that made me jump was Resident Evil Village. <laughs> <laughs> when you get to the house, uh, I'll leave it at that. If you if you play Resident Evil Village, when you get to the or let me, there's a, a couple of houses and not the castle, but the house. Uh, there's a part in there that is probably the creepiest thing ever in Resident Evil, uh, and literally made me jump the first time I saw it. Like Adam, like oh my god, kind of a jump. Have you gotten into VR? But uh, no, not not nothing other than what I played at your house, uh, okay. and then uh, I did play the Iron Man game. Uh, and the Resident Evil, like little VR short little thing yeah, they had that's what my I was brothers. Because that was gonna go somewhere cool, but then they canceled it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
If only. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if VR's got anything going for it, it's horror. Cause <laughs> oh, 100%. Like, that's, you know, it, it, it's always kind of an unsuspected hero that, that pushes a medium forward. Like, for example, Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. We got, it was all Blu-ray. It was Blu-ray versus HD DVD. Mm-hmm. You know, we had these wars again. You know, like, b- back to VHS and Betamax. Yeah. And it's like, oh, which one's going to win? You know, there's just two competing formats. Well, Blu-ray won. And do you know why Blu-ray won, listeners? Most of you probably do. <laughs> it won because Blu-ray is the format that the porn industry decided to go with. Mm-hmm. Blu-ray, Blu-ray won because of porn. Uh, VR, you know, the, uh, to my opinion, the killer app type of app that could push it you know, out. You make a good horror game on VR, people are going to want it. Yeah. That's going to push people. Uh, a good porn game. Because, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> that stuff too. That, that is on there. <laughs> I've heard it. Ref- other, I listened to other podcasts where somebody was talking about they got VR and like, I even got the porn thing to try out. You know, they're obviously kind of like <laughs> trying to do that sly thing. Like, yeah, I got it just to see, you know, I heard it was to tell you people how it was, you know. and so My and job as a reviewer. You're, you're, it is a. Exactly. You're, you're, you're just as curious as the rest of us. the weight I must bear. <laughs> but again uh, see it needs to be like that that should be a, that should be an snl skit where they get it but it's the wrong one like you know a straight guy gets it but he gets it like from the female's perspective perspective <laughs> and or like, vice versa he's like oh no no ah! uh again for comedic effect there's nothing wrong with that right. uh this is it's, it's tongue it's meant to be tongue-in-cheek for insecure frag- male fr- uh, fragility oh i said the word male fragility wee wee woke alert woke alert Sorry. Uh, anyway, Jesse, uh, what else have uh, I'm trying to think? Uh, anything else I've done? No, I've only I'm, I got God of War sitting there, and I have I'm only like an hour in, you know, uh, which sucks because that's like an 80 hour game. Oh man, uh, yeah, I'm but, I'm uh, going through Divinity Two still, and that's a 60 hour game. Mm-hmm. I'm about 27 hours in, but you know, who knows how slow I'm taking it? So it could even be longer. Exactly. Than yeah, and I just bought like a couple other games because of the Black Friday deal. So it's like <laughs> I'm good for the year. Uh, yeah. Well, next year even, you know. So as far as movies goes, um, the only one I watched was Spirited. It's on Apple TV uh, with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, Octavia Spencer, and that's pretty much the highlight there. Oh, love Octavia Spencer. Yeah. So something I didn't know about it. Um, not a major spoiler. If you did any research on Spirited, you would know it, but it's not in the trailer. So it's a musical. Really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that either. That makes me more interested to see it now. Like that makes me like me boy, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I leaned up a little up bit. I was like, higher oh, on my cue. okay. Cause they start off with a song and they, they're very aware of it. Cause there's like, right at the beginning, they're like, this new group walks into this area and they're like, Oh, why is everyone singing? It's like, Oh, we always sing here. I don't want to spoil too much, but that's pretty generally what gotcha. they say. And, um, and then, yeah, for the rest of the movie, it's music. And then I was like, this music's pretty good. Who wrote this? And it's the same people who did, uh, greatest showman. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> greatest showman. And they do a lot of the modern stuff. It's a uh, binge. Didn't they do something. La La Land too? They or? did La La Land. They did um, okay. a lot of stuff on Broadway, like the one with the broken arm. What's his name? Uh, ben Platt plays him. I forget what it is. But um, yeah, they do a lot of the modern, <laughs> mir- <laughs> modern music stuff. Um, 
Yeah, his, he has a unique yeah bench pass. Um, binge. I guess that's short for Benjamin. <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah, did the music for apparently Aladdin. Dear Evan Hansen, that was it. Apparently, composer for Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Not looking forward to that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had that book when I was a kid. I'll have to give it a shot. That's a book. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Sean Mendez is playing Lyle. Um, but yeah, good music. Um, not their best hmm. music, but still, I was like, whoever wrote this wasn't a first timer. And there's a few first timer songs in there. In fact, I think one of the better songs, in my opinion, was one of the first timers. I guess they like had to hmm. uh, step up their game and make sure you know they could hang out with the seasoned uh, Oscar winners. Yeah. <laughs> but for sure, yeah. So, um, interesting. But yeah, if you like musicals, I recommend it. It's a Christmas awesome. movie for sure. It, um, it's no secret. It's called Spirited. It's about. Um, what do you think it's about? I have no clue because okay, I didn't even know it was coming out till I saw the. You know, I mean, I see Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds in a Christmas movie. I'm going to watch it. That's you know? pretty much what like pulled he, me to it. Is that? Um, because I've been watching a lot of uh, Will Ferrell stuff recently. Like, it's interesting him coming from SNL being. I don't know who's the largest SNL people. We just, you know, you just watched Dragnet with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Murphy. I mean, not today, but I mean, in terms of like historically, I mean, Eddie Murphy literally saved us the show. SN, like sure. SNL would not be here today, still on air, if not for Eddie Murphy. But just uh, just looking at post SNL career. Who would, yeah. who's had like the most success, I guess. Um, I don't mm. know. Will Ferrell's definitely in the conversation though. For sure. Yeah. yeah. But he's more modern, you know, movies make more now. I mean, that's, that's what's kind of tricky. Cause for example, you know, Ghostbusters, you had Aykroyd and Bill Murray, yeah. SNL alums. And that was still the set number two highest grossing film that year after Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Uh, you know, because like, I mean, and, and Will Ferrell had that big, like, you know, there was a, t- like, just like Jim Carrey, there was a time where, like, whenever a Jim Carrey movie came out, that was going to be the biggest film in America for a couple weeks. Right. And then, you know, that, that changed. <laughs> uh, same thing with Will Ferrell. I mean, it was a huge deal to have Will Ferrell in your movie. Now it's not quite as big of a deal. Uh, you know, I guess Pete Davidson might be the big one, right? Like, in terms of like right now. Yeah, I don't but see him breaking. Box that might just office. be more so. Maybe the most recent. Oh, he's not. Yeah, but maybe the most recent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like in terms of right now. But I mean, if, if I had to, I would. It has to be Bill Murray or uh, Eddie Murphy. In my opinion, I think uh, Eddie Murphy. Will be fair, will be in the conversation, but yeah, Will Ferrell will be in top. I mean, if 10. you adjusted it, for sure. Maybe I mean probably even top five at least. I would imagine if you base it on like, and he's been in so much though. That's the thing, you know, like back and because they, they make movies so much quicker these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean Eddie Murphy in the '80s, undeniable was like the the most bankable stars of the '80s, and then he, you know, he had a he had the Adventures of Pluto Nash and some other stuff, and that was it <laughs> until recently. Yeah, but he's but he's made a comeback, you know. I mean, and, and uh, you know, and he stood up to John Landis, you know. So Eddie Murphy's a goddamn hero in my book. Uh, but yeah, Farrell is like definitely the most recent, like big one, right? In that category for sure. Uh, I think Kate McKinnon, you know, she's in a lot of stuff, but she it's not like. I mean, Will Ferrell was what he was like a supporting actor in, uh, I guess maybe Step Brothers might have been. I mean, oh, I'm sorry, uh, not Step Brothers. What's the one I'm thinking of with Luke Wilson? Old school. Old school, yeah. 
That's right. That that was like, like that the rise of Will Ferrell in that one. Yeah, and then like then it was then he was in then he was the draw, and then he did stuff like Watson and Holmes, <laughs> and then it's like uh, maybe we should cool it on or Elf. Actually, no, Elf. Elf is probably his big. That's his big yeah, one. Yeah, that's the breakout. I would imagine. Sure. Uh, yeah, pull, yeah, you're all right. They're on. Let's just take a look at it real quick. That's fun to yeah. To talk yeah, I mean, about. he has 131 credit. Um, but he does so many cameos, though. You know, like like yeah. all the Austin Powers movies and all that. You know, he's he'll pop in. Let's see. Elf was well. Let's see. Um, Bewitched. Everyone forgot he was in that. Speaking of movies, uh, based on oh older yeah. <laughs> TV shows in this case, 2003 Elf. Old school 2003. So 2003 was the year of Will Ferrell. Rising. That was the year. But I mean, he was Mugatu in 2001's Zoolander. And, uh, oh, that's one of his best roles. Yeah. But he didn't headline anything until Elf. Right. Correct. That yeah. looks right. Yeah. He's always, he was a supporting or the villain. See, Elf was, I mean, Elf's most people's favorite Christmas movie for some reason. I mean, personally, I'm sick of it, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's differently this year, though, because, Oh, Jimmy Kahn's gone. Mm. But uh, I don't know. Elf is one. Of, Elf, it, it's a good movie. Elf is a great movie. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like it's so oversaturated to where I can't watch it. Like, I need to go a couple of Christmases without watching it. Yeah. And then I'll be fine. It's just, which is odd because, I mean, a Christmas story, TBS would play it for 24 hours a day and I would watch it for like six of those hours. I don't know why. I could watch a Christmas story multiple times, like a year and be fine. But Elf is just, I don't know, I just can't, there's something about it, I just can't watch it more than once a year. And even at that, I'm half paying attention. I don't know, that's just me. Not my favorite Christmas movie. That honor belongs to Scrooged. And but yeah, Rise of Will Ferrell. And now, now who's next? Well, he's still going. He's kind of the- going at his own pace now. The stuff he's been coming out with has been like decent, worth your time stuff. Not like trash, like some things are. <laughs> like the Eurovision movie, that was worth a laugh. Uh, oh, that movie was great. Yeah, we still sing some of the songs. That from really it. surprised me. <laughs> and uh, well, that movie, like honestly, after watching that movie, I went and downloaded old like Eurovisions just to watch for fun. Oh, like, wow. <laughs> I wish, I wish they would play Eurovision over here. It's a, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Like legit, like I enjoy watching Eurovision. Like, and that, that's the thing because Will Ferrell made that movie because he likes watching Eurovision, and it really is. It's it's interesting, enlightening, it's entertaining because you're seeing all this culture from all over the world and like this is music that's that's you know this is the this is the group that this whole country decided should represent them. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome to me. <laughs> I mean, that's how we got bands like Lordy and ABBA, you know, was because of Eurovision. Uh and other acts too like that have become global like superstars pretty much. You know, it's very interesting and the music's great. You know, a lot of the music's a lot of the music's great. I just, you know, it's it's really fucking cool. It's a shame, like America, you know, America on our high horse, like we're too good for Eurovision. We'll make our own. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it American uh, Idol. American Idol, <laughs> yeah. and it's garbage and no bands. Wow. So, if you had to pick one Will Ferrell movie, just off the top of your head, what's your favorite Will Ferrell movie? Oh, most nostalgic. First one that first one that comes to mind. Anchorman is in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a close second for me. The my, off the top of my head, when maybe? I think of Will Ferrell, that's pretty funny. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah, the one that comes to mind first for me always with Will Ferrell is the other guys. Oh, okay, yeah. Because uh, I think it's underrated in terms of co- comedies, mm-hmm. and then it's just not knowing, just knowing that he was in it and watching it, 
it's, it was kind of like we, the Weird Al biopic. Right. Kind of kind of had an expectation of like, oh, it's going to be a biopic, Weird Al. It's going to be crazy. And then it's just, no, nah, this, like, talk about a movie that knows what it wants to do and, and, go, and maintains that through the, the whole, like, uh, runtime. And that's what the other guys does. That's what Anchorman does. That's what Step Brothers does yeah. as well. You know, it may, like, okay, look, in the first five minutes, this tells you exactly what this movie, the tone of this movie and it sticks that the whole way through. That's what I like. And that's, and honestly, that's a real, honestly, that's a lot of feral stuff. So he, he, he tends to know the assignment to, you know, use that phrase, overuse that phrase this episode. Yeah. So, and yeah. also recently he's been doing like serious stuff. Like I watched the shrink next door, which is also an Apple plus, um, eight episodes, him and Paul Rudd. I was like, Oh, this is going to be a good old hmm. time. It is not a good old time. Wow. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's it's entertaining in the way that drama is entertaining because it's 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 a mm. drama. It's about uh someone just taking advantage of another person. Um hmm. so Farrell's at that point in his career where he's trying to, you know, what Jim Carrey did really soon after four movies, Farrell's doing now after like a hundred movies, moving more into like serious like legitimate serious like stuff. Is that is it is it really like Heavy serious or? Oh yeah, yeah. Even though it says it's the three tags on IMDb is biography, comedy, drama. I mean, it has some funny moments, but they're like just like short laugh moments. They're not like laugh out loud at all. I would say it's biography drama because it's based on a real story. Uh, it was based huh. on an article that came out, and um, yeah, it's it's a pretty messed up story. So. I'm not going to spoil wow. it too much, but yeah, I want to, this is interesting. Like I, I want to see this. Yeah. Well, for interesting. Yeah. Will Farrell is a guy that's, uh, easily influenced by others and he's in a <laughs> position that where he's been, he's had a nice life and you know, he's has a lot at his fingertips and this, uh, therapist comes around and kind of wants his life hmm. and kind of takes it. Interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, and wow. it's all a real story. And then everyone around Will Ferrell is like trying to get him to see, but he's like, no, he's helping me. And uh, yeah, goes on from there. Does wow. he learn his ways or does it end in tragedy? You'll have to <laughs> wait and see. The Shrink Next Door oh, on Apple Plus. Not sponsored. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, that's my uh that's my uh stuff I've been doing, which isn't much, but nice. Yeah. Yep, uh no emails this week. Moving on. Uh we did get another review, which is great. Uh even though it's a two-star review yeah. from Five Pork Chop Five. Uh he says, or they say I should say, get woke, go broke. The show isn't the best or worst 80s podcast. Thanks, I guess. <laughs> uh the show can be entertaining, but enough of the woke nonsense. The one guy, being me, I'm sure, assuming, goes <laughs> out of me. his way to <laughs> to bring up his bogus views. I want 80s, not politics. I'll stick with everything 80s. Why is this down arrow blocking my reading of this? <laughs> uh, I'll stick with everything 80s. It's much more entertaining. Hey, good for you. And there's a free plug for everything 80s. Uh, I'm sure Five Pork Chop Five doesn't uh, isn't one of the podcasters on that show. But he gave us two stars, or they gave us two stars instead of one. That's great. But yeah, hey, your opinion, that's great. Uh, my rebuttal to that is, if the 
couple of offhanded comments that we make about politics offend you that much, fine. <laughs> that's just that's on you because yeah. <laughs> I mean, now yes, occasionally we might have a couple when something in the world or in the movie that we're talking about warrants some sort of discussion. We absolutely talk about it because we have a platform and it's worth talking about mm-hmm. some things. And again, if you don't agree with, you know, I don't expect anybody to agree with everything I say. In fact, disagreements are more entertaining than agreements when it comes to stuff, uh, which is, you know, that was kind of what this show was based on back in the day when we had Daniel on the show. Right. Because uh, people, you know, that's the thing. Society Day, people want to hear, it's, it, we, there's such a duality. People want, they want to be around people who like the same things they like. But also, actually, no, actually, no, I take it back. And this, today, today, we're much more segregated in terms of like people only want to be around people or talk to people who talk about what they talk about or th- what they like, period. Because I think we're very frag America. And, and okay, to your point, here's here's your woke political moment of the episode. <laughs> uh, you know, and. and you know, we're, as a country, we're very fragmented right now. I, and I think it's, it's purely upon the lines of uh, politics, if you're right or left, mm-hmm. which is really, really sad and backwards. Because uh, especially in a lot of the views that I say on this podcast, which have been called woke and what else did he say? Bogus <laughs> uh, has simply been about treating people equally. Yep. Uh, so to be honest with you, Porkchop, uh, Hey, you're entitled to your opinion. I uh, hope you, since you left the, an actual, you, you, you actually left a, you know, a, thank you for the review uh, in the comments, you know, regardless of the star count. I, hey, you took the time to let us know. That's awesome. I respectfully disagree. Because, uh, again, now this, this might be, an, this is an assumption, but I think it's a safe assumption that for, when, according to the political test I do, I am a left centrist <laughs> is, what it, is what it puts me on the scale, uh, on the graph. Uh, and honestly, you know, a lot of that has simply has to do with that. If, uh, you know, uh, homosexuals or LGBT community doesn't have the same marriage protections that I have as a heterosexual, they absolutely need them for sure. Uh, I think, you know, uh, a lot of the right wing people want, want less government. However, they're all about the government telling women what they can do with their bodies. Mm-hmm. That's let's let's just let's just talk like civilized people. And again, you can, you know, you can disagree with abortion. That's fine. Uh, you know, personally, you know, I'm a, uh, I think, and I think a lot of people might be in this situation too. Like, I don't like the idea of abortion. However, it is not my place to tell somebody else what to do with their body, whether or not I agree with that choice. Bottom line. That's how the world works. And if, you know, if you want, oh, less government. Okay, good. Stop Telling women what they can do with their bodies. There's that's number one. Stop telling people who they can and can't marry and have the same protections. Stop telling people who feel disenfranchised that they're 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 wrong because you're a well-off middle class white man. Uh you know, and there you go. There's your woke moment for the podcast. So yeah, you were right on that. <laughs> Sometimes we do get a little political. I'll give you that for sure, pork chop. But again, from my point of view, uh, you know. I try to be as rational as possible personally and listen to all sides, but let's, there has to be some understanding that the right doesn't have all the answers and neither does the left. Mm -hmm. That's why in talking about these issues, 
we can come to a common ground in the middle and not agree on everything, but agree on some things. And the things that we both mutually agree on, people, are the things that we need to enact and get done. You know, there are so many hot ticket items in this country that all they have to do is say the name. Oh, actually, you know what? Let's go. Let's jump back to the back. Let's go back to the future or back to the past. And uh, in the Back to the Future segment, I did see something else, Jesse. I saw a wonderful documentary called God Forbid. Uh, I think it might be on Hulu. It's about uh, Jerry Falwell Jr.'s sex scandal. Oh, yeah. Fantastic documentary. And also incredibly frightening. Uh, because, um, yep, Hulu. you know, there are people, there are people on the left and people on the right that get caught up in believing what the leaders on each side say and do and holding them up on pedestals. Now, let me tell you something. Go read the book, Dune. Don't watch the movie. Go read the book. The book, Dune, is a cautionary tale about putting all your weight behind a charismatic leader Mm -hmm. is what that that book is about and how that is wrong. Uh, Time and time again, you have these people in positions of power in this case, in this documentary, it's Jerry Falwell Jr. and Jerry Falwell, who was a piece of shit. Uh, you can hide behind a Bible. And, you know, again, a broken clock is right twice a day. And, you know, that's the thing. People just if somebody says has these great ideas about what to do on all this stuff, but has the other half of their views are harmful to other people and not good. You have to be rational and come to the realization that maybe it's not worth it for the bad that's going to come with this good. And, oh, that's the lesser of two evils. No, I'm going to take the stance of the witcher here because a vote for a lesser of two evils is still a vote for evil. And just, you don't have two choices. You do have three choices. You do. The problem is, is that it's the people who are so locked in to the left or the right that are facilitating this system of only having two choices Mm -hmm. in all these matters. And then like, you know, when, uh, you know, the right, when Jerry Falwell did it, Jr. did it, it's like, oh, he's a good man. He just, he just faltered. No, watch the documentary. He's a fucking scumbag. Same thing with other people, you know, uh, on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, you know, uh, I remember when Bill Clinton was president, my parents absolutely hated the man. They watched Rush Limbaugh every morning before I went to school. And I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, 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 this I don't, you know, I, I'm like, I'm a kid. I don't understand it. You know, that's, but that was the, how I was grown up in what I grew up with. And then it's like, you know, if you look back historically, Bill Clinton was actually a pretty good president in terms of what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a stronger stance, you know, for all the right wing people, which blows my mind. He had one of the strongest stances against immigration, you know, which is such a, that, that's one of those, those words. Uh, if you want to be a politician on the right, all you have to do is talk about how you're going to stop immigration, ban abortions and stop, you know, this cancel culture of taking Christ out of Christmas and all this other stuff. And you're going to win your election. If you're in a red state, that's how it works. Now on the left, now fair time on the left. If you talk about such things as equal rights and protecting the rights of women and minorities, you're probably going to win in those blue States. Let's compare those two Democrat, those two arguments, equal rights, you know, conflated things that aren't really happening. You get the picture. The best thing, oh, well, this, this has gone off the rails. <laughs> this is straight up. <laughs> Welcome to Political Talk. I'm your host, Trey Harris. And we're mad today, everybody. Oh, wow. 
I'm just proving the review right. <laughs> At least I'm <laughs> I'm proving the point about the wokeness part, right? <laughs> Which I am absolutely proud because it used to be cool to be woke yeah. and not be asleep or be a sheep. You know? But anyway, <laughs> okay, well, okay, okay. Woo! Woo! Oh, oh, oh. I just looked down. I'm on a, I've been on a soapbox the whole time. Let me get off this There's some thing. parallels Sorry, in this everybody. movie, uh, Spirited, about uh, Ryan Reynolds' career, his character's career. That you'll see uh, in that when you watch it. Um, that the fact that it's a job now, uh, making mm. up stories to guide the public. You know, kind of like uh, with Bill Clinton. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a made up story, but they definitely accentuated the story <laughs> to, <Yeah>. uh, to <laughs> you know, build his personality. It's all people remember now. Yeah. I mean, the- Exactly, you know, which is, you know, oh, it's just ridiculous. Like, like for example, okay, look, you know that, you know, Bill Clinton was a good president in terms of the job of president. Mm-hmm. Did he philander around in the office? Yeah. Was honestly, did that affect his presidential job? Yes, but only after it was made a big deal to persecute him for lying about it. Under you know, oh, we got him for lying about having an affair. Let me tell you something right now. I don't care what god you worship, what <laughs> political affiliation. Uh, you subscribe to, but if you're under oath, you're not, no, not a single person in the world's going to admit that they had an affair under oath <laughs> as a public figure. Let's be, let's not be, let's not be stupid here. Yeah. You know, uh, now by comparison, you know, George W. Bush, you know, people, people on the left are quick to land blast him as a war criminal and all this other stuff. Uh, but the, the man did some good as president. He, uh, massive funding for AIDS research massive uh and you know of course you know not he, he was the president during katrina 9 11 you know that's uh that's you know not, not since you know uh i i'm sorry not eisenhower um uh roosevelt mm. uh franklin roosevelt with you know world war ii and then, and then you know vietnam in the same way uh you know with the gulf of tonkin incident if you know depending on the narrative you believe for that based on some of the facts that have you know been unearthed uh you know George Bush, George W. Bush wasn't a, a wasn't a terrible president either, as he's made out to be. You know, if and the thing is, if if the, if you have a president like, oh, he, great president, greatest president of our lifetime, I'd vote for him for a third term. That's just a, a, re, a simple reference to get out. <laughs> you know, Reagan, Ronald Reagan is put on this pedestal, and uh, <laughs> if if you go look historic, if you look at the facts of what he, you know, he, he had again, he had charisma. Same thing Donald Trump has. He has charisma. And you should not trust charismatic leaders. You know who else had charisma? Mussolini, Hitler, Gaddafi, Hussein. Yep. Charismatic leaders are not a good thing, people. Get off of it. Mm. You know, have the courage. Have the, Like they say in the Always Sunny podcast, you got to have people that keep you in check. And you know who doesn't have people that keep them in check? The leaders of this country or any country. Because they're all yes men. Like, yes, Mr. Trump. Yes, Mr. Biden. Et cetera, et cetera pushing their agenda to stay in power because, you know, everybody has a price. And if you're in Washington and most people got them. Woo. Wow. What an episode. Woo. <laughs> I'm not sure if we stuck the landing or not <laughs> on this one. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> and that's just the facts, that's everybody. Just <laughs> that's just the facts. Mike, I carry a, I carry a microphone. <laughs> I'm a podcaster. My name's Thursday. Uh, yeah. But anyway, and again, you know, again, I, we do, I don't know. I personally, don't mind bad reviews. 
you know, again, hey, thank you for saying why. It was still pretty vague. Yeah. <laughs> and one note. But hey, you took the time. Thank you for leaving the review pork chop. Uh, I would encourage you that if you listen to something and it's entertaining, and then every every fifth episode has a, a super long rant at the end of it, <laughs> like this one did, you just turn it off at that point because the episode's over for yeah. you. That's fine. Listen to the movie I part. listen to podcasts all the time. Yeah. I listen to podcasts all the time and they start talking about stuff that's like, okay, this they're they're way off base on here. Or I've, I listen to podcasts where they start saying, oh yeah, Bruce Campbell was great in this movie. And they're talking about a movie he wasn't even in. Mm. You know? So it's just like, okay, you know, I made a mistake or whatever. I, who am I to? I, I make mistakes on the air all the time. There's a reason we break it into this segment. <laughs> <segments. I'm> gonna... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but yeah, if you don't have to, you don't, nobody has to agree with me. You know, that's your opinion. You know, you're, you're entitled to what you view as correct. But in this, there, there is a right and a wrong in a lot of situations, especially politically. Uh, and we can agree to disagree. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you, you know, you got to think for yourself on things mm-hmm. and put yourself in other people. I think that's a big problem is that people don't put themselves in other people's shoes because me as a white male in America, mm-hmm. I have never been persecuted or anything in my life, which is why the second a lot of other people feel like they're being persecuted because oh, I'm a Christian. I can't do this. Well, you can. But if you say stuff, Candace Cameron, about how you're excluding people because it doesn't align with your beliefs. That's not right. <laughs> We're lacking empathy. And again, exactly. And, you know, that's, you know, I would, you know, spiritually, I would say that I am a Christian. Like, I would identify as a Christian, but I don't go to church. I don't uh, follow any of these people that ask for money because my God is not short of cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you know, Christian means Christ-like. And if you, if you read, if you, if you actually read the Bible, what Jesus said, uh, depending on what version you read, because men have altered it over the course of history to get a divorce legalized, uh, Henry VIII. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, it's, it's pretty simple. Whether you look at it as Jesus, Jesus as a religious figure or a philosopher, however you look at it, it's pretty simple. He's just, hey, hey, he's just like, hey, just love every, just love each other. That's all you got to do. Just be nice. It was a lot of like, words uh, to say that. Patrick Swayze said in Roadhouse, <laughs> be nice. Be ni- That's all you got to do. <laughs> That's all you need to do. Believe in me and be nice. <laughs> Love everybody. You know, I don't, you know what I don't see? I don't see any Christians out there washing the feet of the prostitutes, you know, mm-hmm. like Jesus did everything. Of course, people don't just walk around with a bowl of water offering to wash people's feet and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, uh, way, way off. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I feel, now, now I feel I'm out of podium, but... <laughs> So if you're still listening, thank you. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a pin in this. But yeah, any, bottom line, thank you for the review. We agree to disagree. I would just suggest, you know, fact check. You know, there, your views do change. If you, if you, if your views are the same that you've had all your life, that's a problem. Uh, we all grow and evolve in how we view things based on our own experiences or people that we meet that influence us. Like, oh, maybe you met somebody who you know, was super poor and maybe was an, an addict of some sort and they're a real good friend. And then they tell you their story about it. Like, wow, you now have a face to put with that issue. And that, that issue means something more to you now. It's akin to when you have a kid. Uh, the second you have a child, your entire outlook of life changes for most people. There are people out there that don't change and are pieces of shit to their kids. 
for sure. But you know, I mean, the second Violet was born, everything about me changed on a microscopic level. Uh, you know, and that, and that's that's normal. That's we are here to grow. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about religion, you know, I, you know, the whole, you know, I we have free will. We have free will. Use that free will. Uh, you know, no, no. Again, you know, Reagan. He did some good things. He did a lot of bad things, just like every single politician. But he had a great saying: "Trust but verify." Yeah, bro, I believe you. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fact. I'm, I'm just, I'm just making sure that that's correct. I believe you, but let's make sure. Trust but verify, people. Trust but verify. Anyway, if you'd like to drop us an email, eighties revisited at gmail.com. Uh, on Instagram, eighties revisit. I'm sorry, Facebook, eighties revisited podcast. On Instagram, 80s underscore revisited. Uh, check out our friends near and far. John with his Cajun toy review. And of course, Doom Slayer and TCW, Ben Wyatt down there in Tasmania, kicking ass and taking names, buddy. Keep it up. Got his number one contenders match coming up. Excited to see where uh, that goes. Uh, it's only up from here, man. Uh, and then, Jesse, I guess I need to check with you. Do we still need to plug Manscaped? <laughs> Are we still? Uh, is yeah, this is home month, right? <laughs> okay, just, just got to double check. So let's Holiday, see. Uh, so it's hard to if you uh, need to ma- reach out to them right now, but yeah, let's do it. Why yeah. not? But uh, I still okay. stand by it. Anyway, if you need to maintain, <laughs> <laughs> if you need to maintain your face according to Police Code seven zero three two one, where you should not have any kind of facial hair scruff or anything like that on your face, get manscaped. Use the code revisited at checkout for twenty percent off your order and free shipping. Again, that is the code revisited for manscape. I carry a manscape. My name's Thursday. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that works, yeah. right? <laughs> Put a bow on it. Put a bow on this episode. I'm exhausted and overheated in this closet. We're talking about politics now. <laughs> Whoo. Anyway, okay. If you'd like to, leave a review again, good or bad. If it's gonna be bad, you know, elaborate, please. We appreciate that. We're not, again, that we're nobody here is perfect. I don't know a single perfect person. Uh I was just trying to think of one. Can't do it. So yeah, leave a review, good or bad. We appreciate it. And next week we will finish. We will our culmination of celebration of Tom Hanks will end along with the month of November and the holiday of Thanksgiving, as we call it here, Thanksgiving. Thanks to our good friend, the Canadian vet. We will end this uh, season of giving by giving you finally one of the most requested shows we've had or movies to recover the Burbs uh, right here next week. Actually, which is going to be later this week in time for Thanksgiving, right here on 80s Revisited. So until then, I will be your neighbor, Trey Harris. Yes, he said. Cowabunga! Cowabunga!